Hello, I'm Albert Sines, your door-to-door storyteller, and I'd like to give you a story. This story is called The Hermit's Tale by Christopher Reibold. I am Paphnutius the Monk. Some years ago, I left my monastery at Abydos to make a pilgrimage among the hermits who live in the old tombs and caves of the Egyptian desert. It was on this pilgrimage that I met Onufrius the Anchorite, and came to learn something of the spirituality of the desert and the ways of providence. The interior desert is harsh, and only the most committed religious live there. But it is also strangely beautiful. The limestone outcroppings change color as the sun moves across the sky, passing from brown to yellow to red over the course of a single day. At night, the stars are brilliant, and only God could hope to count them. In a cave, not far from the Oasis Magna, I chanced upon my first hermit. When I found him, he was lying on a reed mat, and I thought at first that he must be sleeping. But when I touched his shoulder to announce my presence, I found that he was dead. I buried him as well as I could, and spent the night in his cave offering prayers for the repose of his soul. The following morning I resumed my journey. I continued south and west for several days, but I found no one else to call upon. My food and water began to run low. For a time I was able to supplement my provisions with dates and wild herbs gathered near a small spring, but on the fifteenth day my provisions ran out. I scanned the horizon, looking for palm trees or birds in the distance, anything that might indicate the presence of food and water. On the seventeenth day, my fear turned to resignation. I closed my eyes, and I began to pray. As I prayed, I heard a voice. When I opened my eyes, I saw a strange beast standing before me. The beast was short, spindly, and impossibly hairy. I was frightened. Instinctively, I scrambled up a nearby escarpment. As I did so, the beast called out to me. It said, Come down to me, brother, for I too am a man of God. I paused and I took a second look. The beast was indeed a man, though he was mostly beard and mane. About his waist he wore a loose cloth made from coarsely sewn palm fibers. What skin I could see was brown and leathery, and he was very old. I must have been a sight myself, red and blistered and crazy from the heat. The hairy old man came to me. He introduced himself as Onufrius, and he offered me a stoppered gourd. The gourd contained water that he insisted I sip slowly. We stayed in that place until evening. As the sun set, we started to walk. To me, the desert looked the same in all directions, an endless expanse of sand and rock that soon appeared chalky white by the light of a nearly full moon. My new companion walked slowly for my benefit. It took more than an hour for us to make our way to his cave. The entrance was narrow and hard to see in the dark, but easy for him to find nonetheless, for just outside the cave there grew a single date palm that served as a convenient signpost. The ground here was rocky, 
and it was getting cold when we arrived. As hot as the desert is during the day, it is freezing cold at night. I was exhausted. Once inside the cave, I collapsed, while Anufrius piled brush inside a circle of stones near the entrance and built a small fire. The fire burned with a spicy scent that I did not recognize, but it was pleasant and helped to revive my spirits. The cave was small, barely large enough for two people. To one side, several reed mats and baskets were loosely piled on top of one another. To the other side, there sat a few clay jars and bowls, and two carved wooden cups. A tattered sheepskin hung from a peg. Onufrius produced two small cakes of salted bread, some oil, and a few herbs. He gave me one of the cakes. The bread was completely dry and very hard. I must have looked confused or uncertain, for Onufrius smiled and explained that in the desert, bread can be kept in this condition for several months. Then he poured a little water into a clay bowl and showed me how to make the bread soft again by soaking it. He filled a second clay bowl with the oil and herbs. Then we dipped our bread and ate. As we ate, we began to talk. I spoke first. Tell me, Onufrius, how did you happen to find me? Why were you wandering so far from yourself so late in the day? Onufrius replied, I was not wandering. The angel sent me to find you. What angel, I asked, but Onufrius did not respond to my question. Rather, he put some more reeds on the fire and said, As a young man, I studied law and rhetoric. I lived in the world and committed the sins of youth. However, I soon found wealth and pleasure to be empty pursuits. I met a Christian, and from him I learned the rudiments of the faith. He converted you? I asked. My conversion took time, Onufrius replied. Gradually I came to see the world through new eyes. Eventually, I was no longer willing to make the ethical compromises required by my profession. I could no longer hold my tongue in front of the courtesans I once frequented. I could no longer bear to watch captive families torn apart and sold off in the slave markets. His voice trailed off, and for a minute or two he stared silently into the distance. Then he turned to me with a smile and said, Eventually... I entered into a monastery near Antinoe. How long were you at the monastery? I asked. Two or three years, he replied. But why did you leave? I continued. In the monastery, I quickly fell into the rhythm of religious life. I found that I needed little food or sleep, and I learned the importance of prayer. I began to wonder how I could cultivate greater spiritual excellence in myself how I could purge myself of my remaining attachments to the things of the world and cultivate greater discipline over my body. I sought to make my entire life a devotional act, a kind of living prayer. So it was then that you decided to become an ascetic? I asked. No, he replied with a slow shake of his head. I was led into the desert by an angel and I realized that it was God's wish for me to serve in this way. In what way? I asked. How do you serve here, alone in the desert? 
I pray for the world, Onufrius replied. In the desert we turn inward, through solitude and stillness. We quiet the senses to achieve an ever greater union with God. We seek to never stop praying. It is the desert way. Tell me, Onufrius, how long have you lived this life of prayer? Sixty years, he replied. I looked closely at Onufrius. His face was brightly illuminated by the fire, but the rest of his body was lost in deep shadow. I noticed his eyes. They did indeed speak to his great age and to his time in the desert. Have you lived alone all this time? I am still visited by the angel, he replied. And from time to time I meet a few Bedouin tribesmen, mostly when they are out hunting with their falcons. I weave mats and baskets. I am sometimes able to trade my work with them for bread and oil. An owl hooted somewhere in the distance. I looked out through the narrow cave entrance. Through a dark silhouette of palm leaves, I could see a few stars shining like polished silver against the night sky. Onufrius fell silent, and a change seemed to come over him. He looked up, and for a moment he seemed to be listening to something that only he could hear. Onufrius? I said. He looked at me and smiled a mostly toothless smile. Then he spoke. Two days ago, the angel who led me into the desert all those years ago came to me and told me to go out and find you. You think that you have come here on a pilgrimage to learn the ways of the desert, but that is only partly true. You have been brought here. For what purpose, I asked. To bury me, he replied. I should have been astonished at his remark, and yet I was not. Somehow I knew the truth of it. Then perhaps I am meant to take your place, I suggested. No, he said quietly. You must return to the world and deliver my message. Your message, I asked. When you return, you must request a mass in remembrance of me. And let the brothers know that any who offer incense at my memorial will be released from temptation and saved. And if a brother is too poor to offer incense, then let him offer food to the poor or make some similar act of charity in my name, he responded. Let the brothers know that if anyone recites the creed or offers prayers to Almighty God in remembrance of me, then I will pray for his salvation and stand as a witness in his favor on the last day. Then Onufrius bowed his head. He said a short prayer and closed his eyes. We sat together in silence as his breathing grew shallow. An hour later, he died. After his passing, I became aware of the almost overpowering silence of the cave. The only sound was the crackling of the dying fire. 
I let it go out. As I waited for dawn, I found myself thinking about what life must have been like for the old hermit, alone here in his cave for so many years. When the sun rose, I buried him in the shade of the date palm tree. Then I set off on the return journey to Abydos, so I could share his story with the world and arrange his memorial mass. I have often thought of Onufrius since then, of how I was led into the desert to find him, of his deep spirituality, and of his promise to continue his work of prayer in heaven. I pray for his intercession, and I hope that one day I will see him again in heaven. You just listened to The Hermit's Tale by Christopher Reibold, read to you by your door-to-door storyteller, Albert Sines. Thank you for listening. Used by We Are One Body Audio Theater with the permission of the licensor, granted under a copyrighted license agreement. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater.